0: Welcome to Hair of the Dog, Episode 19, Multi Generational Bigamy. I am your co-host, Tony. I've been friends with Simone for a number of years, and now finally I get to share with the entire world the stories that Simone has to share. So, Simone, any updates concerning the lawsuit?
1: Yeah, so like I shared, that the ball is in my court, and let's just say I don't have any problem kind of hanging on to that ball right now because the caregiver and her attorney have literally taken like year or more just to like answer simple questions. So I'm fine just kind of sitting on it for a little bit right now. But I will say we did say no to the no contact order because there's no reason to have that because. I don't want to contact her, but I also retained attorney. So I wouldn't have to contact her and I have never contacted her. So there's really no point to it. And it was just, you know, we all are joking. Like it's just so rich coming from the woman who sent me the blanket that my dad died in. Like I should be the one asking for no contact, (laughs) but you know, I, I really don't care if she wants to contact me. She can. I'm indifferent. Um, So we'll see what happens.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's definitely an interesting ask on her end and a way to say no to that because there's no really reason to say no to it. So it is what it is on that end. So last week we had a little cliffhanger about your grandfather's bigamy and your great-grandfather what was their bigamy thing as we might say
1: i'm just going to get like a t-shirt that says big the bigamy thing because like i don't know maybe i should have a family reunion see if i have any like australian family members or whatever and just pass out bigamy thing t-shirts because it's like the theme of our family right so i actually did not know my grandfather was a bigamist really until the bigamy thing with my dad And it might have been brought up before, but like I honestly do not remember it ever being brought up in any capacity before. Um, I do remember though knowing that my grandfather had a band in the family and that my grandma signed her letters, Mrs. James Cornelius. So I knew there was, you know, things that had transpired, but I did not know about his bigamy thing. But I remember after my dad's bigamy thing, um, I was on the front porch with my mom and we were just you know, Southern ladies having a little chit chat on the rock and chairs about the whole thing. And she was like, he just emulated your father. So or his father so much? Like, did you know your grandfather did the same thing? And I remember being like, did what like pour the tea? Like, what did he do? And she said he was a bigamist. And I remember I got chills But, like, at that time, no one had really done a lot of research on James, at least not to my knowledge. So we didn't really quite know, like, the circumstances around his bigamy aside from, you know, what I shared previously that my grandmother went to get the Social Security and it wasn't there.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a really big, like, blow up right there for your grandmother. And so what research did you find after the fact, after like learning a little bit about this?
1: Yeah. So those who know me, I'm kind of a genealogy nerd. I like doing those things. I love like a mystery. Like I said, it's like a Scorpio thing. We love mysteries and solving them. So I love solving like, and just like looking through like old census records. Like I find it very fun. And so like I shared, everything that was brought up in previous episodes, but also the woman who was his legal wife like there was no reason to not believe she was his legal wife collected his social security and then when my grandmother received notice that he had died she went to collect social security and they were like oh his wife already collected it and she was like but I'm his wife like we never divorced like like what happened so I'm not sure when my grandfather married his bigamous wife but I do know he married her and then he died of a heart attack in Arkansas in 1983 at a crawfish bowl. And they didn't know how to contact his family. Like they didn't know how to get in contact with my dad who was on Ulrigs at the time. So they just buried him in Arkansas. So, you know, okay. Grandpa's in Arkansas. Right. And it gets like, you know, interesting, but he's buried next to this woman he was married to who later died in 1994. And I'm not sharing her identity, even though I know it, but it looks like she had children from like a previous marriage. Maybe she had children with James, I don't know, they could still be alive. So I just want to kind of, you know, like protect their identities, because I don't know, you know, I don't know them. And I don't know how they feel about all this. But then of course, it gets weird, because it's my family. So why would it? Why would it be normal? right?
0: Oh, of course. I mean, what's a story in the Smith family other than just getting more weird? And plus like do the do these like I guess your aunts and uncles in this case by marriage or even by blood. Like do we even know that he was previously married and has yeah. other kids and this whole Who other knows? extended family? Who knows? Do they even
1: Who know? knows? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know what this is about, like this part, but it's so weird. Um, He has two grave markers. He has one where he, I think, is buried next to his bigamist wife, the one who died in 1994, right? Because that headstone looks older. But then there's another headstone in the same damn cemetery that is him with a newer headstone but there is an empty space for someone else on the other side so he has two headstones they're both him because let me tell you this place in arkansas has like a population of like five people you know it's him it's his birthday it's his date of yeah, death yeah. it it's it's him but why why does he have two headstones? Like, I'm just very curious. Maybe I need to make like a a adventure out to this tiny place in Arkansas and ask someone be like, why does he have like two? Like, I just don't understand. Um, But they're both him.
0: Very odd. Two headstones. One older, one newer. Same birth date, same death date.
1: Yeah. In the same cemetery. And so it's eerie also, because as we all know, the caregiver won't give me my dad's ashes and who knows where his ashes will end up, but my dad will have a headstone, but an empty grave because, you know, as his child, you know, I thought it'd be a good idea to memorialize my dad somehow, even though I, I, I don't think I'm ever going to get his ashes from her. Right. And so my mom and I were just talking about it, about how my dad's headstone is coming in. It's actually going to be put up in the next couple weeks. And we're like, the caregiver will probably see it at some point and she'll try to emulate it. Maybe she'll make a headstone. So it's interesting that, you know, there's this long line of two headstones for these guys with bigamist families and whatnot. And so I did find red like this record of James potentially marrying another woman in Louisiana in the 1970s. So I don't know, maybe it's her and I would love to contact that family and I'm planning on it. Like when the dust settles a little bit, you know, with like my own lawsuit, but I also want to respect people's privacy but I'm also nosy <laughs> and I think it'd be interesting to connect with someone who knew James, uh, potentially around the time he died or later in life. I think that could be interesting and it could be good podcast content.
0: I have no doubt. It would be great podcast content because it'd probably be other stories that they might have be like, Oh yeah, he was married to this other woman. And then we'd find out, Oh yeah, probably that. that There's, follows- more. <laughs> There's more. There's <laughs> more. Uh, So what about, and we've probably talked about it a little bit in the last couple of episodes, but what about your father's father's father, your great granddaddy?
1: My great grandfather, okay, my great grandfather, Claude Smith, is actually my birthday twin. So we had I know, right? I don't know what that means. I'm not gonna say Scorpios is probably where it
0: began, right?
1: Yeah, that's where all this like shit shows the source of Scorpios. So we had a big chain of Scorpios. Like all my great grandfathers are Scorpios, like there's like this unbroken line of Scorpios until James broke it he was a Pisces so he broke like the Scorpio chain but my dad and I picked up that Scorpio chain so I'm like if I ever have a kid it better be a Scorpio because we have to keep <laughs> this we have to keep this family trend going anyway Claude was your typical Southern Irish you know deep south stock he was a god-fearing sharecropper but apparently didn't fear God enough to not commit bigamy so there's that. So in 1914, at the dawn of World War One, he marries a woman named Ethel. And I'm using her name because she has, you know, died and everything. And I can't find record of them having children. That doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I just can't right now can't find any records of it. So I'm comfortable using Ethel's name. So Ethel is not my great grandmother, but she was his, you know, first wife, if we want to look at it like that. So he goes off to war. And one thing that's interesting is his war registration card is so eerie to me because he signs his last name, Smith, the exact same way I sign it. Like his penmanship is the exact same as mine, like the same letters and everything. It's very fascinating. So and he's my birthday twin. So I think he was like, obviously, maybe not a good person because of the bigamy thing. But I'm also like, hey, I vibe with Claude, you know, like we have the same handwriting, same birthday. So anyway, he comes back from the war on leave, I'm assuming, and marries my great grandmother. Her name was Pearl, and she was known as Pearly. They married in 1916. And my great grandmother also came from like Scottish, Irish, Doc, same. We're all the same in the South. We're all like Scotch Irish, you know, those of us that are descended from like early settlers, we all have the same narrative. Um, And so marries her in 1916. And then James is born in 1917. And James had a couple siblings. And like I said, I don't know if he had children with Ethel. So I can continue to search, but I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I guess, I mean, there's all sorts of records, but they're probably all not digitized yet. So, like, we don't know yet. And so, where were these women that he, like, found married and, you know, potentially had children with?
1: Yeah, so Ethel was actually in Oklahoma. And it looks like in World War One, there were a lot of training camps. uh, And that is actually where like the great flu, uh, World War One flu originated from is, you know, training camps in Oklahoma. So I thought you know, my imagination just runs wild because I just don't know. So I'm like, maybe he thought Ethel died from the flu or something, you know, like, of course, my mind goes zero to bigamy really quick because of my family. Um, But for me, I'm just like, okay, maybe that wasn't what happened. Maybe he just assumed Ethel died from the flu or something. You know, there was a war and, you know, who knows, right? But Part of me is also like, mm, it's the men in my family. I can go zero to bigamy because that's actually what it is. So, but she actually didn't die till like 1964. So my great grandma, Pearlie, my dad loved her. Uh, she, by all accounts, was a lovely person, but she was technically the bigamist wife in this situation. And she had a lot of kids with my great grandfather. So they had like this family dynamic from 1917 up until about
0: 1920. Ooh, tell us what happened in 1920.
1: So this is some speculation on my part. Um, I think he, my great-grandfather, Claude, I think he either divided his time between two women or he left Pearl and James completely and went to Oklahoma to be with Ethel. So here's... Another weird thing, again, it's not my family unless it's weird. Uh, he died in 1925, and I heard it was some sort of farming accident, which would make sense because that was his occupation, like before the war, his entire life outside of World War One, he was a sharecropper. Um, so he's buried in Oklahoma next to Ethel, the first wife. However, once again, there's another grave with his headstone in the same cemetery in Mississippi where my great-grandmother, Burley, is buried. And Burley did remarry in 1930, and she passed away in 1973. But I think... Claude has to be buried in Oklahoma where he died, and I think she might have just slapped up a headstone for him in Mississippi. The same way I'm slapping up a headstone for my dad. So I'm just like, this is incredible to have three generations of bigamy and two head and three like two separate headstones for one one bigamy dude. Right? It's just incredible to me. But I guess it adds more context for me around James, right? So he could have very well been traumatized by his father's other family if he knew about them, could have been traumatized by his father's World War I PTSD, his father's potential abandonment, but certainly his father's, I think, early death because he was like 33 or so when he died. So that's all traumatic. So it makes sense why he was attracted to that dark life in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and like affiliating with like gang activities, you know, like it kind of makes sense that he was searching in a way for a father figure and who knows what his relationship was like with his stepdad. I'm going to guess not good if he was scurrying off to hot springs, Arkansas to hang out with, you know, gangsters. Right. So I'm just, that's just speculation on my part, but I, I feel like I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident that that's what happened. And then he goes off to be a combat medic. In the south pacific for world war ii so and i know my great grandmother Pearlie, she was super stable again by all accounts everyone just loved and adored her but being a single mom in the 1920s before she remarried that would have been really hard like that would have been really challenging so then you see have this even clearer like chain of trauma you know claude inflicted this pain into james James inflicts it onto my dad. And then my dad inflicts it on me and my sister. And that's just the last couple generations. So who knows what else has happened?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Like there's just like this chain of our Daisy chain of all this generational trauma just being passed from one person to the next and to the next. And that's really mm-hmm. interesting about the whole headstones things, having one in one place where he was buried, but another one, in another state where she is buried, but it's like, mm-hmm. well, she re- remarried in 1930 and then died in 1943. That's 43 years pa- potentially being married to your second husband, mm-hmm. but she's not married to that man unless she, he got married again. I don't like, do we know, I don't know. about his it story?
1: Could be, I am going to look into it because now I'm intrigued by all these players, but it could be a Southern thing. So there is a very deep Southern cultural thing where, we respect our dead. You know, we have a lot of respect for our ancestors. We have a lot of respect for our lineage and those who came before us. We're very open about having conversations around death and dying, especially if you're from New Orleans. Like we love talking about death. Like we will be at dinner, like me, my mom and sister, and we'll talk about our funerals. You know, my mom is very strict about what kind of sheet cake she wants, you know, At her funeral, and she coaches me and my sister. Like, what do I want? What music do I want? You know, during my slideshow, right? Don't put up any ugly pictures of me. So it's like we have these very frank and open conversations about death and dying. And I think that's healthy, right? And like, it's a Southern thing. Like, we are very open about it. We don't mind having those conversations, but we have the utmost respect. Like, if you're driving in the South and a funeral procession's coming, you pull over and you wait. And if you don't, like good luck ever making a friend in the South. Like you're going to be ostracized (laughs) because that is like the height of rude. So I wonder if it has something to do with that kind of cultural element of having really deep admiration and respect for the dead, almost in a way, no matter what they did in their life, like you still respect their dignity. So I wonder if it has something to do with that where. You know, even though he had abandoned her, died young, she still wanted her respect. You know, she had children with him maybe or, you know, whatever it was, she maybe wanted to just have a place for him, maybe for herself. I don't know. You know, like I, I can only speculate. These are speculations, but in in a way, it's kind of the same thing that I'm doing. You know, I don't have my dad's ashes and I'll probably never get them, but I have, you know, the utmost respect for him and his dignity as a person who's no longer here. So of course I'm going to slap a headstone up for him. And it doesn't matter what he did in his life. Cause we all know he made some very shady life choices, but it doesn't matter. You know, you respect the dead. That's just a Southern thing. So I wonder if there is that kind of cultural element to it too.
0: Yeah. I wonder that as well, um, because it sounds like both Pearlie and Ethel knew about each other at some point. And the, especially so. if he was like visiting the different families, like, yep, yeah, like, gonna go visit my second wife or something like that. It's just like that's sort of odd. But like deciding to have that the the headstone next to you. Um like very much a, either both a respect or diff like she just still loved him after all these years. Um yeah. both of them essentially just like nope, I'm gonna have a headstone with my current spouse former spouse right next to me my father of my children like, right next to me it's a very interesting yeah. thing it's and a i remember thing. it is very much a southern thing because i remember like my elementary school back in kansas was just a few blocks down from the city cemetery and so like they would when we'd be out there at recess when it would be a funeral procession going by we'd all like stand stills like hey there's a funeral going by mm-hmm. so we just stand still and uh waiting until the the whole at least a hearse went by before we start playing again. Exactly. It's just very different type of environment.
1: It is. It's a cultural thing. And like, I'm headstone happy. Cause like, you know, I want to get my uncle Bill a headstone. My dad's, his is coming in like a couple weeks and, you know, there's another headstone I have to get for another family member. And people might think it's, you know, morose or kind of weird that I'm like a headstone happy person where I'm like, yeah, we're getting this headstone. We're getting that. But it's, it comes from a place of like respect for that person. And that's, and that's a big Southern thing. Like I said, just, we really respect the dead. Like it is a big cultural thing in the South. And it's not that like uh, other cultures don't have the same. It's just, we view it more openly and differently in the South. And I think, you know, we love funerals and headstones. <laughs> like everybody gets a headstone. Yep. And, and now I'm like joking with my mom. I'm like making jokes with my mom. I'm like, maybe I'll just put up like three headstones for my dad in random locations and just confuse future generations. Like, why not? Why not? I mean,
0: great grand granddad did great granddad did. So why not? Yeah,
1: I'm like, (laughs) why not? You know, and my mom was like, well, I guess that's better than you being a bigamist and carrying along that tradition.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Precisely, right? Oh, gosh. But also like. Glad we're having these conversations because many people don't want to talk about these type of things and or just don't think about them. Uh, and until yeah. like unless they have like a near death experience, one of their family members pass away and then they're forced to talk about this. And I think that's the reason why we are talking about these type of things, like at least the family trauma piece, because it does pertain to the other types of conversations that other people might have. And even culturally with the United States, like there's different people like in the South and Midwest we talk about these type of things. We have this type of respect. Whereas at least from my observations up here in the Pacific Northwest, that's not a thing. So it's, it's just different. like, mm-hmm. it's very different in even different parts of the United States.
1: It is. And I think there's a lot of shame and discomfort in talking about family trauma. And of course, I'm a fan of just obviously kicking that door in and having those conversations like I said, I think it's so important that we acknowledge the trauma and the triumphs and just try to heal and be a better generation, and that we need to like release that generational pain and recognize it. And, like I said, just try to be better. And it was actually funny, somebody recently commented that they feel that I'm a very private person, that they feel that nobody knows where I'm at, Nobody knows what I'm doing. nobody nobody knows anything about me. And I'm just like, that's funny because I literally podcast about my family's deepest traumas and secrets every Wednesday at 5pm. So <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just like, you're such a private person, Simone. Like, you're just very like, they weren't saying that, like, I'm closed off. They were just saying, we just don't know much about you. And I'm like, <laughs> so funny, because I literally am out here just like, you know, putting all my family secrets, like out, like on a, on parade. So,
0: <laughs> For the fast five months, every Wednesday for about an hour, sometimes two yeah. hours.
1: Some, yeah. <laughs> sometimes longer. So yeah, it's, it's like, that's funny. I, I am a private person, but I'm not at the same time. Like I'm totally open to having these conversations because I see the value. And I think it's very important to have these conversations about trauma, death, whatever, you know, everything, because I really think that just putting it out there helps release the energy and helps us kind of just move forward into a better place.
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh super happy and glad to be part of this journey with you, Simone. It's been a great experience oh, so far. And uh, yeah, and we will continue with these type of conversations in the future. And I think that it's closing out for this evening. Thank you all folks for listening in.
1: It is. And next week, we're going to do like a little swerve, y'all. So, I have gotten some questions where people are like, Oh my gosh, Simone, you're adopted. I had no idea. And I maybe I am a private person. I don't know. Um, But I've always been transparent about being adopted and even on this podcast. And so, next week, we're going to swerve and we're going to talk more about like my biological background, you know, where, you know, my DNA comes from and all that. And, you know, of course, I don't know if it's me, if it's my family, or if we're just kind of like this perfect storm together, but my biological background is also full of shenanigans. So the combination of me and my family, we're just this perfect storm of just shenanigans.
0: All sorts of shorted, sorted shenanigans for all those people who love alliterations like <laughs> I do.
1: Yes, there's <laughs> lot like yeah my biological background is it's a lot of fun it was a lot of fun to go through that process and uncover it um so we'll share more I think that might wind up being about maybe two or three parts or something like I don't I don't know I'll see how it shakes out but I you'll it's a lot (laughs) I'm just going to stop talking now because I'm like, it's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there.
0: It's a lot and it gets weird and I'm all here for it.
1: Yeah. and Nothing's normal when it comes to me. But anyway, yes, we'll close this out. And I hope y'all are having a good week and we will talk and spend time together next week.
0: All right. Y'all take care.